This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and acknowledge the ongoing connection to land, waters and culture. Colonisation and genocide are ongoing processes that still continue to this day. Sovereignty was never ceded and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. G'day everybody. We're back. We're back with another episode of one of Australia's most weekly news podcasts, Ozpol Snackpod, the podcast where two of Australia's foremost political nobodies serve you up bite-sized chunks of Australian news and politics with a side of crispy memes. My name is Zach Snack, and with me, as always, is my co-host. Hey everyone, I'm Noon. Thanks for coming and- back to our extremely weekly podcast. Yeah, and I also wanted to say congratulations, Noon. Thank you. For what? Uh, well, Spotify Wrapped just happened. Oh, yeah, it did. It did. We discovered that we came number 52 on Spotify's list of Australia's top 50 news podcasts. Um, so that was a, that was a win. Cool. 50, definitely two a win. in the, of the top 50? Yeah, number yeah. 52. Uh, <laughs> Spotify's charts only goes up to 50. Yep. <laughs> and so we never, we didn't chart uh, at any point this year on Spotify, but they sent us a little thing being like, hey, congratulations on being number 52, which I thought was uh, very amusing. I mean, that's, um, <laughs> that's hopeful. Next year, you know, next year Spotify wrapped. Let's aim for 47. Yeah, absolutely. We, we got big goals. We got big plans. Um, and we also want to send out a couple of special thank yous to people who have been supporting our big plans. We've got two new patrons this week. Woo, if you woo, support woo. us over on Patreon for as little as one US dollar a month, you get a monthly bonus episode plus other cool stuff. Two new signups this week. We got Jesse and Bonnie. Thank you very much. We also want to say thank you to May and Morgan who increased their pledges. It means a lot to us. Thank you so helps much. Us keep the show sustainable. Helps us keep us making it. Helps us. Um, I would say helps keeps us independent, but we're we're at no risk of getting like poached or headhunted by yeah, a big no no one else wants to pay us money. So, yeah, mm. which is why we need yours. Thank you so much. Um, but enough. Shit talking. Let's get into the shit talking. What have you brought for us for our very first story this week, Noon? Well, we've got some uh, some refreshing fascism. Fashy Australia. It's the the only kind we ever have on this show. <laughs> it's true. Thinking. Yeah, yeah. We didn't really think about that uh, when we designed that no, sting. I, yeah. Yeah, I was like, ha, ha, this is it's also representative it's like, it's of Australia. Even... There's no pun in there either. It's just like, <laughs> I just, I was like, there's something about fascios that sounds tr- like a tropical drink to me. So mm. that's what we went with. Anyway. Well, so this is a story about people fucking up unions. And, you know, why is this in fasci Australia? It's because fascists hate unions and kill unionists. Uh, and unions are a powerful form of resistance against, you know, oppression and reactionaries. And they're a powerful form of solidarity for all of their problems. So anyway, just, just dropping that little... I would say top. that that is one of the l- less tenuous connections to fascism that we've had in this segment for a few weeks. So, good job. Cool. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, we used to just have cop shit, and then we had so much cop shit we had to have our own one. Anyway, let's, the, the fascist shit this week. So focused. We're staying the, focused. The United Workers Union, ooh, woo, 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 uh, who I think I'm still a member <laughs> of, um, have been striking against Coles in their largest warehouse in New South Wales, which is a place called Smeaton Grange. That's been going on since November 19th, so last week sometime. 
Uh, and this is basically because Coles is building a new automated warehouse and is refusing to guarantee jobs and also refusing to give the workers good redundancy packages when they don't get jobs at the new factory. So, yeah, the workers are calling for improved redundancy entitlements, the right to transfer transfer to the new warehouse, job security in the form of a permanent to casual ratio, and increased wages. And um, on November 19th, the UWU logistics director, a guy called Matt Toner, said several things along the lines of, and this is a quote, but he said it several times in different ways, with one of its largest warehouses in New South Wales out of action, it's hard to see how there will not be disruptions to supply, especially over this busy Christmas period. And uh, the chief... Uh, sorry, the Coles chief operating officer, the COO, is a guy who's literally named Swindles. His name is Matthew Swindles. It's actually, it's spelt slightly differently, but you, it's just perfect. So um, he announced in response to the strike that they would be locking the workers out of uh, the warehouse and that they wouldn't get any work over the next three months until Christmas. Um, uh, until after Christmas, I should say. Great. Uh, that shouldn't cause any issues. No, no. And so what Matthew Swindle said is that in response to this, that it, they're not closing down this factory, this, uh, but they are uh, temporarily shutting it. And he said, uh, the site has a number of years to run. It's not closing down. This is to protect Christmas, and we won't have our customers' Christmas lunch held to ransom by unjustifiable and excessive demands from a union <laughs> when we put forward a very generous offer. These fucking people have one playbook. It's exactly the same shit that um, that the government was trotting out against the Maritime Union earlier in the year, being right. like, oh, what, but when they're striking, they're holding up people's Christmas presents. Like, it's... it's my God. How much more cartoon villain can you get? Like, Jesus Christ. And, like... Oh, yeah. the The hundreds of workers who you're not paying salaries to... They're not going to have their Christmas lunch ruined because of you, you piece of shit. It's just them wanting, like, to be able to retire. Anyway, fuck you, They Matthew should have Swindles. as many free cold cuts from the Coles Deli as they like. Exactly. the Coles Deli. Yeah, and you, you were banned like, from cold, cold cuts. Yeah, yeah, I was prevented from ever stealing cold cuts. Like, you had to measure everything that got thrown out, like, and weigh it and put it in Jesus a special Christ. bin. And if there was a discrepancy, they were like, yo, who's been stealing slices of prosciutto? I'd be like... Nope, not me. <laughs> Zach did a very funny face when he said that. So, um, so anyway, uh, as of this week, uh, there are shortages being reported across Coles in New South Wales. Uh, and this is again from uh, Matt Toner. Whatever way Coles wants to spin it, they're breaking, uh, they're breaking their promise of no shortages for customers because of their three-month lockout of workers at Smeaton Grange. Stores in Ingleman, Liverpool, Norellan, Mount Druitt, Camden, Mount Annan, Picton, and Campbelltown have all seen major shortages in the store. On the south coast, stores affected include Warrawong, Fairy Meadows, and Coromel. Shortages have impacted products including tissues, nappies, canned food, bottled water, as well as food and drink products like chips, biscuits, cordial, and energy drinks. So... Uh, I guess there's like a, a tiny little positivity corner in the middle of this fascist bullshit, uh, which is that the strike is being effective and obviously this is going to severely fuck up Coles. And like, maybe they get, they have warehouses that'll be able to continue to supply all of their like, you know, center of Sydney shops, but it looks like this shortage and uh, it is just going to spread and spread as they try and scramble across the supply network. So fuck yeah. Mm. Uh, fuck yeah, uwu. Doing, yeah. doing good work. Yeah, fuck you, Coles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, hope, I, I hope that they get what they want. Yeah. They're, I hope they get their very reasonable request of, can I please keep my job 
while you like continue to make the exact same amount of money. Yep. As a company. Yep. Well, actually, that's something I didn't Outrageous. even mention. Because... They're fucking Grinches. Bunch of Grinches. Yeah, I, I didn't even mention this, but uh, the CEO's uh, salary increased like twenty eight percent or something. It's just like it's like seven million dollars a year or something, and like probably that would go a long way towards paying these hundreds of workers. Hmm. Speaking of which, yeah, <laughs> it's time for a, another union story, but this one is a little bit happier at the moment. The, the uwu one may turn out to be happy, but anyway, yeah. this is, is a positivity corner. Positivity corner. Uh, and like massively overpaid heads of companies is also very relevant mm-hmm. here. Um, so... Listeners may remember that I interviewed a couple of organizers from the University of Melbourne who were trying to get a bunch of uh, back pay for stolen wages from the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, shouts to Nick and Sophie. Thank you for coming on the show. And they got some good news this week. Uh, the NTEU and the Uni Melbourne Casuals uh, have won their campaign to get back pay. And it, and it looks like they're going to get $15 million wow. of stolen wages back just in the faculty of arts wow that's amazing that's that's a big win it's great but also that's a lot of stolen money bro and always in these things you i i always assume that they're just scraping the surface like even when they've had a big win like this like surely the 15 million is like a small percentage of what is truly owed absolutely aside from the fact that there are other faculties right right uh, of course like that it's that the organizing is still happening around I think we spoke about it earlier in the year, and there's basically this like uh, almost statute of limitations for how far back you can claim stolen wages for. So it was mm-hmm. like anything yeah, before yeah, years about ten years ago, yeah, yeah. yeah whatever it is. Um, so the the university has been at the Fair Work Commission with the union, and they uh, made an offer. They'll say, okay, look, we'll pay you roughly a third of the stolen wages that mm-hmm. you think that we owe you back, and the <laughs> Uh, the union was like, ah, you know what? I think we're actually going to organize a rally right outside the vice chancellor's $7 million mansion instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's some very delightful little signs that they made for that, including one big real estate style mm-hmm. for sale sign. that says Chateau de Cumnock, which is Cumnock The name House of the is, house um, for some reason. Yes, for some, <laughs> some reason. Uh, it's it felt much funnier sale. than I expected, honestly. But anyway. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's spelt like how you sort of think it would shouldn't jokingly spell be it. Yeah. if you were you a serious person. Like yeah. um, paying $7 million of university money for this house. Anyway, <laughs> uh, they, they made this big for sale sign that says, Chateau de Comnoc, class traitor's delight. Features 12 <laughs> bedrooms, 350 underpaid casuals, and one turret. Um, anyway, the uni went back to them being like, this rally is actually coercion, uh-huh. so you should not do it. Um, and, and so, so, the so the, they saying that they were coercing them while they were in a mediation process. Is that the thing? Like you're yes. not allowed to apply pressure to the other party while you're in a mediation process. Yes, exactly. So uh, it'll be, it's like yeah, this is big coercion according to the Fair Work Commission. So the union then was like, okay, well, we'll withdraw from the Fair Work Commission, which massively weakens your coercion argument because there's no dispute. Right. And then instead, we'll start working on a class action lawsuit, which we'll take to the High Court. Uh, which is just some badass hardball shit. Yeah, it is. Um, And so as the rally went ahead, news came through that the uni had caved and they weren't going to pay out the $6 million that 
that the union thought that the uni owed, mm-hmm. but in fact they were going to pay the full fifteen million dollars, which the uni turns out, which to it turned out the university they, owed. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, that's just a big win. That's a positivity corner. As I said, organizing is uh, ongoing for back pay in other faculties at the yep. University of Melbourne. But um, always nice to see a win for the people. Hell yeah! Congrats. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Congrats. Shout to the organizers. Yeah. And Nick and Soph and and others. Yeah. Um, before we get on to our next story, I just want to do a, a tiny little bit of uh, international positivity corner. Um, so yeah, this will be, I, I know Zach always resents international news, but, uh, the world's biggest strike is currently going on in India. 250 million people are participating, uh, and it's been, yeah, going for days and it looks like it's going to continue going, uh, 10 of the like largest labor union federations in India have all done it. And like people from all sorts of different types of work and um, farmers from all over the country have been marching to Delhi, uh, like in solidarity, but also seeking their own things. So yeah, uh, just extremely cool. Um, we'll see. Very cool. What the shake out is Definitely worth a mention. Yeah. Definitely worth breaking out. No non-Ospol rule. Yeah. It's that in the jetpacks, baby. Um <laughs> All right, so uh, let's move on to our First Nations story now, which is just a quick update on the uh, hearings about the Jabberwung trees. So, as probably most listeners know, the Victorian government wants to destroy a series of sacred trees for a highway expansion. So, just over a month ago, Vic Roads destroyed a sacred tree, uh, one of the sacred trees there, which led to a temporary injunction, um, or like a halt on works, um, because the some people representing the Jabberwung people wanted to take it to court. So there was yeah a, a pause put on. Um, and so, uh, late this week, the Supreme Court decided to extend that halt on works until February, uh, so both sides' legal teams can continue to prepare their argument. So, that's that's what this, like, brief couple of week pause was for, so that they could come and have this, like, second hearing. And at the second yeah. hearing, the judge basically was like, this is going to be a long trial, it's going to take at least a week, and that the there's a, a pretty reasonable chance that the team representing the Jabberung people would succeed, so that she decided to keep the injunction going. So there won't be, yep. or there shouldn't be any more works going on there, at least until February. And yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens in that trial then. Um, obviously, but in terms of this particular, like, hearing, this is a good outcome. Totally, yep, yep. It's yep. best, best they could hope for, really, yep. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, uh, but yeah, definitely more news on that as it develops, and there will be more news. Yes, because there always is. All right, now we've got another Victorian story next. You fucked up. Did you see that? Yeah. What's Gabbo? I figure it's some guy's name. Some guy named Gabbo. Look, Smithers, Gabbo is coming. Ah, uh, yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. This is a story about Nicola Gobbo, um, the the famous <laughs> I lawyer. I have ex. no idea what that Simpsons clip is in reference to. That's Are you okay. serious? That's, that's such a good episode. Um, uh, Gabbo is a puppet that competes with Krusty the Clown, uh, and Krusty <laughs> goes broke, uh, and that's the one with the. Um, Worker and Parasite, they, they lose the rights to Itchy and Scratchy. So here's Eastern <laughs> Europe's favorite cat and mouse team, Worker and Parasite. And then there's that famous reaction image of Krusty smoking a cigarette and being like, what the hell was that? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, 
It's a great episode. You should watch it. It's it's yeah, really fun. Mm. Unfortunately, the story today is not nearly as fun. Um, Nicola Gobbo oh. was uh, a lawyer. Um, she was a criminal defense lawyer from a famous family of Gobbos who were all lawyers. Uh, and she worked for a bunch of famous and also less famous Melbourne criminals and criminal organizations, uh, most famously Tony Mockbell, but also others. Uh, and it turns out that she was a police informant and was also telling the cops shit that her clients had told her in confidence and that then allowed the police to secure convictions in court, which is, legally speaking, considered a dick move. Um, And so there's been a a royal commission uh, into uh, the royal commission into the management of police informants, uh, which just ended this week. And the report made 111 uh, recommendations. Wow. So, yeah, it was was led by a former judge, a woman named Margaret McMurdo, uh, who basically said that cops shouldn't use lawyers as informants. Uh, And she also found that both uh, I nearly said Gabbo, but Gobbo and the hundreds of Vic Pol employees who were involved. I'm not sure about, yeah, literally hundreds, but like there, there were large numbers of uh, Victoria police employees mm. who knew what was going on, who were involved in using her as a source and were fully mm. aware that what they were doing was at least extremely dodgy, if not completely and actually illegal. Mm. I believe, and uh, I don't know that much about this story, but I was speaking to a friend about it. Mm. And he was saying, I think that he watched, I think it was a 60 Minutes interview with her. And she apparently seems to kind of claim that she was being leaned on to yes. be an informant and possibly was even getting groomed when she was in law school to be an informant. Totally. But yeah. I don't totally know about that. I don't. Right, right. So that's basically been her line through the whole thing is like, right. the cops made me do it, basically. Uh, and made in various ways. Like, I think it definitely more along the line. She claims it was more along the lines of, like, grooming and being told this was all fine and, and that it was just a normal thing and blah, 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 rather than, like, being coerced right. or whatever. I don't think she's claimed that they, she was, like, forced to do it exactly. But she did sure. claim that she was not, like, acting in full self-control or something along those lines, that the way that the police okay. controlled her meant that she was, like, it wasn't her fault. And the judge was basically like, no. It was your fault. Um, and, and also Vic Pulse. She was like, yeah, they, they both knew. They both... This is all bad. You Stop it. No. Bad job, everyone. Yeah. Uh, so there were over a thousand cases that Nicola Gobbo was involved with that are potentially affected. Um, That's fucking huge. Yeah. So the judge conservatively estimated... I don't have the exact number, but it was more than 100, but like something like that, 120 or something, that were she said were like almost certainly tainted by this whole situation Mm. and then another couple of hundred that she reckons like probably weren't but might have been uh but i was hearing uh someone on the law report this week maybe i'll put a link to that story uh law report on radio national with damien carrick um talking about this uh and basically the the guest was like that is very conservative and and we're gonna have to look through all of these thousand cases basically um but the judge doing the royal commission couldn't say that so yeah so basically all of the clients that gobbo represented will have an opportunity to appeal on a basis of miscarriage of justice and in fact two of her clients have already walked out of jail one guy called farouk orman who was in jail for 12 years over a murder that it it seems like he probably did actually commit but now is free because of gobbo um and a guy called zlid Svetanovsky, who was in jail for uh, nearly 10 years over drug trafficking charges. And there is definitely a small to medium to quite large chance of her being murdered. So that's a whole like other aspect in this whole situation 
So the commission made 111 recommendations, the big one being that the government should appoint a special prosecutor to basically go through these thousand cases and see if Gobbo or members of Vic Police actually did any like proper crimes that they should be charged with, and also mm-hmm. to figure out which trials need to be done over again, basically, and also like what should be done with the people who are now in jail before their trials go back to court mm. or whatever. Um so the commission also recommends giving IBAC, which is Victoria's extremely useless anti-corruption commission, more powers, which is good, and we'll see if that happens. Uh, yeah, so that, that's that's <laughs> shrug. The, yeah, that's the news that's with the gist. Uh, Gobbo this week. Um, yeah, I, and look earlier in the story, I feel like I maybe kind of made an equivalence between one individual and an entire organization both doing the wrong thing here. Yep. I'd say you know. Maybe they both did the wrong thing, but Victoria Police is... This is more a demonstration of, uh, yet again, complete institutional and structural, like, corruption top to bottom. Yes. Like, (laughs) of an organization that never plays by its own rules Mm -hmm. and does whatever the fuck it wants. Versus a person who, like, probably shouldn't have been... I mean, they shouldn't have been doing that, and they've, like, made a huge mess. Mm. But that's, you know... But, like, also, now her life is in danger, whereas all those Mm. cops are going to be fine. And probably no one will face any kind of yeah, sanction no, that's for right. It. Yeah, yeah, they'll be like suspended with pay for a month for yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's like she's already in hiding, mm. um, and, and obviously like, like can't from... have a career anymore. Yeah, and like obviously the the preferred narrative for the establishment here is to hang it all on her. Yeah, when like this never would have been possible without a completely corrupt police force. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's absolutely uh, true. Yeah, I just wanted to. <laughs> I just wanted to Re- clarify my stance on that. Yeah. All good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now it's time for... Uh, yeah, can't wait to watch the Nicola Gobbo TV show. Now it's time for the my the segment with my favorite sting. Say what you will about Pauline. Cory Bernardi's right about this You know, one. you have to hand it to ISIS. I don't normally agree with Channel 7. Yes, that's right. This is the segment where we talk about shit people doing something good accidentally, kind of. In this case, it's more like considering proposing doing a thing that something is that's not slightly less bad, bad than what they currently yeah. do. Yeah. So the New South Wales government is considering a proposal to reduce penalties for drug possession. It's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, and uh, heads up, I'm pulling a lot of info for this story from Michael McGowan's piece on it uh, in the Guardian, which is fantastic. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's not a whole lot of detail about the plan out currently, but basically the proposal says that if you're caught with a small amount of uh, drugs, you could get a warning as opposed to a drug charge. If you're caught a second or a third time within 12 months, you'll get a fine. Uh, if you're caught a fourth time, then you'll get a criminal charge. Sure. Uh, so... <laughs> Channel 7 kicked up a massive stink about this, saying that this would be effectively decriminalizing drugs. Mm-hmm. It is very specifically not decriminalization. Decriminalization yeah. means no criminal sanctions at all for drug possession. Uh, and if it wasn't cl- that wasn't clear enough for you, I've got a quote here from Gladys Berejiklian. Quote, I do not, do not support the decriminalization of drugs and nor does my government. Instead, it's being called depenalization, mm-hmm. which is... I mean, you have to invent a whole new word for like how mediocre your policy is. Yeah, exactly. It needs a new word. I mean, maybe the word ex- existed before, but whatever. Um, 
But like, I mean, New South Wales already does something relatively similar mm. with weed. It's had what's what's called the cam- cannabis cautioning scheme since 2000, which means that cops can give you a warning if you get caught with less than 15 grams of um, uh, written 15 grams of yerple. <laughs> but I feel <laughs> like you're regretting it now. <laughs> I am regretting it. Um, 15 grams of <laughs> of the sticky. Yeah. Um, but I mean, this is completely up to police discretion. Totally unsurprisingly, Indigenous people are far more likely to get charged. New South Wales cops charge about 80% of Indigenous people mm. who are found with a small amount of weed with possession compared to about 50% of the rest of the population. Um, yeah. I, Because there isn't a bunch of detail about this new proposal out there, I haven't been able to work out whether or not these new powers will be discretionary or not. Sure, if it's um, compulsory that the first offence is always a warning. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. But if there is discretion, obviously the cops are going to be super racist with it anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, I mean, it's kind of weird and potentially positive that a liberal government is talking about this kind of thing at all. Mm. And so it's like, why are they talking about this? And it's because of an inquiry into drug use in New South Wales that they themselves commissioned in 2018 after the state experienced like a series of deaths related to ICE. Mm -hmm. So the commission started out being about ICE, but expanded to then include other drugs. And their commission found, and this will come as a huge shock to you, Noon Mm -hmm. and listeners, Mm -hmm. criminalizing drug users doesn't work. The report is just like, yeah, I know, mind-blowing stuff. Um, So like people have been saying this for decades. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, I mean, the report was just like very very clear about this yep it said that the criminalization of drug users was quote a profound flaw in the mm-hmm. justice system said that new south wales drug laws were tired and <laughs> lacking imagination which it's i was pretty sick I really burn. Liked. tired yeah, it is. new south wales drug law wired portugal drug law <laughs> yeah now yeah. we're talking um and i've got this quote here from uh the commissioner's report which i thought summed it up um very neatly By stigmatizing people who use and possess illicit drugs as criminals, we are marginalizing them and raising significant barriers that discourage them from seeking help. This makes it much harder for our health system and other agencies of social support to identify and help them. It is clear from the evidence that this dynamic is causing our society harm that significantly outweighs any benefit from the limited deterrent of treating people who use or possess drugs as criminals. Like... You just couldn't be more clear about it. And the report recommended complete decriminalization of drug possession in New South Wales. Wow. Very cool. Um, So the Liberals commissioned this report. They're like, Gladys says something at a time, like, I'm convinced that it won't recommend decriminalization. Report comes back, says decriminalization is basically the only answer to this fucking problem. Um, But of course, you know, the eyes of conservative politicians and media, drug use is a scourge on Mm -hmm, society mm -hmm. and a moral failing on the part of the individuals who use drugs. So the the libs can't decriminalize drugs. They can't follow the recommendations of their own report. But they also can't just flagrantly ignore the recommendations of their own report. That doesn't look good for them either. Yeah, well, the the line that often gets used, and this was your story, so I haven't looked into it, but what they often say is, uh, this is a report to government, not from government. Uh, which basically means we don't give a fuck that we said we were going to listen to these guys. Yeah, well, but like, you know, the issue that sparked the report in the first place is, you know, like, that's still a political, it's still a political issue. Mm. Like, you know, they had, basically, they 
they're in a position where they don't want to be seen to be doing nothing about this because mm. people are literally dying. Um, but so, you know, because they couldn't just accept the what the report actually told them to do, what we get instead is this watered-down version, which was still enough to set the right-wing media into a, into a total frenzy, as well as liberal politicians. Yep. Yep. Um, so, I mean, after Gladys Berejiklian announced this proposal at a cabinet meeting, it was very quickly leaked to Channel 7 by a frontbencher, Boom, then you get widespread hair-pulling throughout the conservative mm-hmm, media. Mm-hmm. The, so the Telegraph ran a story saying that New South Wales Police Minister David Elliott, who was one of my favourite evergreen Australian political fuck-ups, that shirt-fronter of teenagers, mm-hmm. that firer of illegal guns, uh-huh. a claimer of being a cop when he's definitely not a cop, mm-hmm. uh, the Telly ran a story saying that he was, quote, heartbroken by the proposal, which... Which is funny. This is the guy who said when I read that sentence. He wished his children got strip searched. Same guy. Same guy. Same guy. Thank you for. uh, Yeah, that one should definitely belongs on his list of greatest hits. Resume. Yeah. Yeah. God, he's such a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so given you know outrage amongst liberal politicians themselves as well as the broader conservative media, what's likely to happen is that there will be a watering down of this watering down. Except, for example, to have it cover only young people. And exclude people in possession of ice, which was the whole point, the point of the commission, the original. Right, I was going to ask place. about that. So it is specifically yeah. just the Yerpel that is on this no, scheme, or is it no, like also it's, acid it's, and pills and whatever? Yeah, yeah. So when when I was talking about fifteen grams earlier, that that's the cannabis. Sure. What's it called? Personal uh, possession. Limit the cannabis or cautioning scheme, which yeah. already exists. Oh, I see. So I see. this, yeah, yeah. So this is. Like, you know, it's already kind of... This is effectively already true for weed. Mm, you can get mm-hmm. a caution instead. Right. Uh, weed will be covered by this, but yeah, it's based... Uh, like, the idea is that it'll be for any illicit substance, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. But they're going to... Like, that was the original proposal, and now sure. they're suggesting watering it back to exclude ice from that. Gotcha. E- even though, as we said, Ugh, that was the original so silly. point of the report. Very... So fucking silly. Very and silly. like, I say silly, but also like deadly and, and life-destroying, but... Yes. Also silly. Yeah. Yes. That, it's, it's not great. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we say broken clock. It's not that broken. No. Uh, it's still it's still definitely ticking along. Or it's um, extra broken. It's not that correct <laughs> twice a day. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, this should be a free kick for the Labour Party, right? You can't even follow the advice of the, uh, the report mm-hmm. that you commission. When you pr- present your weakened version of your own proposal to your party, mm-hmm. they still throw it back in your face. You're literally incapable of doing something positive for society, even by accident. It's not, yep. it's not that hard. They, nope. You just say those things. Yep. Sadly, that's not really Labour's style. No, um, they don't like saying things or doing stuff. No, not particularly. Uh, two of their least favorite uh, pastimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, just going to read a quote from this Michael McGowan article in The Guardian. He says... Since the government's proposal was leaked on Tuesday, the opposition leader, Jody McKay, has offered no opinion on the proposal other than to criticise the government for taking mm-hmm. too long to respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, we well, don't care what you do, but you should have done it a month ago. Like, Yeah, it's strong, like, Virginia Trioli energy. Yes. Of, I don't care how the country is. I don't care who runs the country, but I passionately care about how it's run yeah except um, she doesn't care about how it's run like i mean i know we said that no about i mean you trioli but also mckay clearly yeah. doesn't no has an opinion on this yeah they are, they, well i mean i guess it's more the inverse opinion of i want to be in government but i definitely don't want to do anything mm-hmm. um anyway 
Uh, now it's time to move on to... It was the best of takes. It was the blurst of takes. You stupid monkey. <laughs> so since the New South Wales Labour Party didn't actually have a take on this, mm-hmm. they couldn't uh, be awarded this segment this week. Yes, but luckily, yes. there's some heavy hitters in the Federal Labour Party ready to step up. One of the big guns up to the plate this week. Uh-huh. That's right. Christina K. Keneally, multiple <laughs> winner of Blurst Take. Yep. Possibly even our first ever Winner of Blurst Take. I think take she's got her. UFU. I think she got Blurst Take. Uh, she's an all rounder. You know, she's she, potential she MVP for for the Labour Party on Snackpod. She, she is absolutely a Labour Party MVP. This is why she's a frontbencher. Yeah, she's about to prove it to you. Quote I'm not yet convinced that what I see is the right way forward. I would strongly urge the cabinet to slow down and listen to some experts. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Uh, like um, maybe they could have like a commission, right? Or ma- some like kind of some inquiry co- that might give them a report, who consult yeah, experts, make a couple recommendations. Yeah, yeah, expert recommendations. Mm. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Make sure you listen to the experts. Oh, not those experts who have written a long report saying exactly what we should do. Listen to some other experts. Look, that to I'm be sure fair, exist who have the direct opposite opinion. This is all. This is how labor makes all their policy and like you know the uh, oh actual evidence-based policy no 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 we prefer optics that we're really bad at mm, mm, like they, yes they really get themselves coming and going which i i think this we're is... going to get to a bit more in our main segment yeah but i mean that's that's uh that's why christina k Keneally is is on some mvp shit this yep. is it's just like quintessential labor right there uh, yeah, so looks like that semi-okay proposal will get watered down even mm. further, and then whether or not even that will get over the line within the Liberal Party is like definitely not a sure thing. But um, Labor's definitely not going to push them to make it any better, so that's my commentary. That's my final word on the subject. <laughs> you heard it here uh, first, folks. <laughs> yeah. All right, now it's time for... Shitpost of the Week! Okay, so um, normally we like to give Shitpost of the Week to some uh, original content from the OzPol Shitposting Facebook group, which um, we are the official podcast of. Um, but, you yeah, know. Thanks, I left that out of the intro accidentally. Yeah. Uh, My bad. It happens. Uh, this it, is why we're number 52. Damn it, Zach. <laughs> um, but look, you know, we the Labour Party has their MVPs and. The Chinese government have their MVPs, and so this week <laughs> well, I, I do they we had to award Star shit post of the week to a leading Chinese Twitter troll Zhao Lijian, the deputy of the Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs, um, who this week posted an image on Twitter. <laughs> He's high up, man. Yeah, dude. He's yeah. higher than I thought he would be. Yep. So, yeah, he posted an image on Twitter, which has variously been described as, quote, a fake photo and a doctored image, but is really what I would describe as very clearly computer-generated and not intended remotely to be photorealistic in the slightest, and also has some very obviously fake background that's just, like, symbolism. Yeah, it's just... It's cl- it's created from scratch, like it's, it's a Photoshop. It's a political it's pretty- cartoon that has maybe like has a a deep fake guy in it or something. Like it, it's slightly <laughs> more realistic than a than a cartoon. But like, 
I don't know. It's a political I, cartoon. That's what it is. That's what it's it 100%, is. 100%. Yeah. And AKA, when it's well, when a political cartoon becomes a meme once when it's, it's on the on internet. Twitter. Yeah. So the, yeah. this was a meme. Exactly. And that's why we have been able to award it shitpost of the week. Um, <laughs> and look, I've. I reckon nearly everyone who's listening to the show has seen this image by now, but it's got a, a white Australian soldier in uniform holding a baby and a bloody knife, and and the baby or like the child is holding a, a lamb, uh, and, and then the it's, he's like and, he's slitting the kid's throat. It's about to is, happen, and he's grinning. He's yeah. covered, yeah, and the kid is like covered in an Australian flag. And the Australian flag in the background, like, is also covering, covering up, like, other dead bodies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's, like for what? It, it, like, it's it's, it's extremely a, provocative, but it's like it makes its point it's reasonably well. As and a, it's, yeah, as a as like a piece of like uh, of like political weaponry. Like, it yeah. definitely yeah. It's like I don't know. And, and there's quality. text on it that says, don't be afraid, we are coming to bring you peace. So, yeah, not not the most subtle thing, reference to Australian war crimes in Afghanistan. Um, but, yeah, so Zhao Lijian does this a lot with the US. He's like an official Twitter troll, as I said. And, like, he he's constantly, yeah, tweeting provocative shit about US foreign policy and, and now also Australian foreign policy. Um, and the one note that was in this story before I started actually writing my notes for it, Zach had put in, posting wars are very easy to win. And I'm not sure where you were going with that, but what I said is they're very easy to win when you're facing up against Scott Morrison. Because the number one rule of posting is do not feed the trolls. And Scott Morrison clearly doesn't know this because what he did was call a snap conference, a press conference with the defense minister, hyperventilate extensively about this, call China hypocrites, and point out that A... Australians so far haven't been accused of murdering children as young as the ones portrayed in this image, and B, also that the image is fake, which... It's uh, just the fucking number one... Yeah, it's the number one mistake. Like, as soon as you get angry about a Twitter post publicly... You've already you've lost. lost. Yeah. You've lost, bro. What I was saying, what my, my note there was a reference <laughs> yeah. to, to Trump saying... Trade wars are very easy to win when he was gotcha. like, I'm going to start a trade war with China. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> posting wars are extremely easy to win when you're up against basic flubs like Scott Morrison. Yeah, who just, yeah. You're like, he didn't even, like, if, he, if he'd only just tweeted back, it would have been so much less egregious. But yeah. he fucking called a press conference, which, like, you get so few opportunities to, like, like relatively speaking. You get to say very few things, like, mm. in a year as Prime Minister mm. publicly. Get up there on a podium, bring the fucking press in, put up the Australian flags behind you, and then be like, I am extremely mad. At this Chinese meme. government is asking me, you mad? My response is, yes, yes. I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and some people have pointed out that the press conference was so soon afterwards that it's unlikely that he got briefing from security agencies about it. Like or diplomats or anything he just fucking ran with it and it like oh yeah he this is a personal like personal affront to him like because and here's the th- it's like i don't think it, the press conference is even even slightly meant for china it's a hundred percent no that's right yeah it's a yeah it's it's about 
projecting solidarity with our boys to the Australian conservative media and yes. public. But what it did was draw so much more attention to the war crimes than it needed to. And it's also an example well, of... Which he hadn't like said anything about. Right, right. Yeah. And now what he's out there is being like, actually, the people that we killed who were underage were older than 12. Like, <laughs> um, and clearly oh this is an example oh of, of Scotty from marketing's marketing background failing him for once. Because this is a very pre-Twitter response. Yeah. Uh, as you said, like, he should have, yeah, he should have probably just ignored it or like tweeted back like, this is ridiculous or something like that. But like... What he should have just not said anything, and if someone asked him about it, being like, Mr. Zhao is, of course, welcome to post whatever he wants. Like, just don't even fucking bother, mate. Like, it, there's nothing to be gained. Um, and I kind of wanted to touch on this story this week, because this post is just the latest in a string of China fucking extremely successfully with Australia. Um, it's so easy. It's so easy. Right. I mean... As many people on Twitter have said, if you don't want people to make memes about your war crimes, don't do your war crimes. So there's That's a also mistake, a very good really. point. Yeah, you could start there. And then, look, this is one of the few times that I reckon Bill Shorten's, like, 14-year-old, extremely based media advisor might actually have been, like, <laughs> great to have in the ear of the Prime Minister. Anyway. So I mentioned this in an earlier episode, but Zhao Lijian uh, was also the diplomat who released the list of 14 grievances that China has with Australia uh, that was basically telling the Australian government to change their policies on all of these issues, but were all things that they specifically knew Australia would never change their policies on. Mm. So, for, for example, one is, quote, criticizing China's policies about, for example, Hong Kong. Uh, another one is banning Huawei from building the 5G network. Another one is having literally any regulation on Chinese property investors, so on and so forth. Mm. Um, and they're also fucking. He's a troll. Exports. It's a professional troll. He is. He is. He's, uh, but a, the, he's a state. He's a state troll. Like he's a heavy hitter. He is. He's yeah. And, and like when you compare wise, our heavy hitter Christina Keneally and the kind of shit posts that she does versus the the, the sublime shit posting of Mister Zhao. You know, there's no, there's no wonder why Australia is in such a precarious position. But uh, the, the the posting is only one aspect of the war. China is also fucking with our exports. Um, for example, they've claimed our lobsters have diseases. That coal is pollution. E. Um, that our barley exporters are doing like money crimes, and they put two hundred percent tariffs on Australian wine exports to China. Um, and so we're a middle power, and I. <laughs> You know, people like to talk a lot about what middle powers mean, but I like to think of it in terms of this meme of John from Garfield uh, lying down, and with him there's the text, fuck yeah, I'm a triple threat. I don't know shit, I don't get stuff, and I don't understand things, which I think is a Vine reference. But that's basically what <laughs> Australia's international diplomacy is like. Um, hmm. We don't know shit, we don't get stuff, and we don't understand things. Um, there was a good interview on Saturday Extra on Radio National this weekend with a former diplomat about how bad we are at international diplomacy, uh, so I might post a link to that uh, if people are interested. But yeah, the short answer is there's basically nothing that we can do about any of this uh so yeah scott morrison normally we try to give advice just to the nationals here on ospol snack pod but you know scotty just shut the fuck up and try and find other people to sell our shit to and don't worry about the memes like you know we could build 
invest in other industries so that we're not completely depending on selling one thing to one country hmm. that also, by the way, is uh, massively accelerating the destruction of the planet. But hey, we're just a couple of Australia's foremost political nobodies, you know. We don't know shit, we don't we... get stuff, and we don't understand things, so... <laughs> That's right. Take it from the num- take it from number 52. <laughs> um, just, yeah, like, don't feed the trolls, man. Don't do it. Number one rule of politics now, apparently. Uh, so we were going to have our main segment about um, this new book that a bunch of people, like Labour Party affiliates, have put out, which is called The Right Stuff, you know. Spelled like writing. W-R-I-T-E. Mm-hmm. Voices of Unity on Labour's Future. Unity being the name of the right faction in the Labour Labor Party. Labour right, yep. Labour right. Hence um, the right stuff, you get it? Le- the, the right stuff, because they're right wing. Yeah. Yeah. Ha-ha. Um, but then when Noon and I started chatting about it, we realised that um, maybe instead of like doing a whole segment based on uh, just reading a couple of pull quotes from like articles about this book, we should actually read it and we'll do a full episode about it. So I think it's we're way do more that. pertinent to what our actual show is than the book report on the footsteps of Jesus. Uh, yes. Yeah. There's much more relevant content. So yeah, but basically it's like, it's a collection of essays and some of the people are like labor party MPs. Uh, some are like members of think tanks that are associated with the labor party. Mm-hmm. I think it was edited by the head of like the um, labor right think tank, for example. And there's some unionists in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and to give you just a general idea of the flavor of this book, the right stuff, I'm going to read you the first paragraph from the Sydney morning Herald article about this book. Leading labor figures are warning the party will again fail at the next federal election, unless it reflects on why it lost its once reliable voter base drops its left-wing populism, reconnects with the suburbs, and stops scoffing at parents who choose to send their children to faith-based schools. Ah, uh, yes, the big the big three. Populism, yeah. suburbs, and scoffing Catholic at schools. Catholics. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, aside from saying, literally, we should be more right-wing, <laughs> yes, th- yeah. th- those other <laughs> yeah. two things are just code for be more right-wing. Yep. That's, yep. What, that's what those things mean. Uh, because they're talking when they say faith-based schools, they mean Catholic, Catholic schools, schools they're not, talking not about Muslim schools or like, Jewish schools. Ex- or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you know, Chris Bowen, the Shadow Health Minister, contributed. Wayne Swan, who used to be uh, the treasurer, but is yeah, now yeah. the what is he? The national, the national he's president, the secretary? Of the AAP. Pres- president. Yeah, he's yeah. like the not parliamentary head of the party. Yeah, and essentially, it's a bunch of essays that are basically appear to perpetuate this very strange idea that seems to exist within the leadership of the Labour Party, which is that social issues and economic issues are two completely separate Uh things that do not in any way interact, and it's also a zero-sum game. If you put any political capital into social issues, you get an immediate loss in economic Mm -hmm. credibility with the voters or Mm -hmm. whatever. That's the general idea, and you know, most of the essays basically seem to be like, Stop talking about climate change, support coal, jobs and growth. You, um, anyway. you copied out a tweet here from uh, Raf at Praxis, like Praxis, but with an F in the middle, who says, we should focus more on economic issues like causing a global extinction event and less on niche social issues like preventing a global extinction event, which yeah, yeah. is uh, just a great, Which I think, great summary. I think about sums it up. 
Yeah. Uh, but we thought, hey, it's, it's like, honestly, I actually think it's quite interesting to try and dissect mm. uh, how and why the Labour Party is so feckless and ineffectual. Yep. Yep. Because this is More an feck. entire book written by the people at the top of the Labour Party explaining what they think is wrong with the Labour Party and sure. why the party can't win elections. And their solution in general is we need to be more be, like the Liberal Party. Have less policy, yeah. Less policy, uh, make yourself a smaller target for the Liberals by being more like them, and basically abandon anybody who isn't seen as being part of, quote-unquote, mainstream Australia. Yep. Um, which, these are all obviously the things that are making the Labour Party a completely non-existent political mm, entity. Mm. So I think it is worthy of, of an entire episode, and I'm, I think we'll get some good insights from uh, these wet nuggets at Huge the top of the chumps. party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll drop that early next year. We'll <laughs> this The right stuff is going to be our holiday reading, Snackpot holiday reading. If you want to, don't, don't buy a copy. Don't do no. it. Just, <laughs> we'll read it and we'll tell you what they say. So, yeah, look forward to that in mid-January. Um, but uh, in the meantime, that brings us to the end of our news. Soon, we will tell you about what our dogs have been up to mm-hmm. as a treat for you, maybe? That's but what we do at the then, end of the show for, to, to reward you for listening through uh, the rest of our business. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, here, here's some business. So, uh, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else where you can rate shows, uh, rate podcasts. Leave us a review, preferably on Apple Podcasts, but also anywhere where you can leave reviews for podcasts. Ratings and reviews really help how much we get like up in the iTunes charts. Um, so if you could do Which that, people it would find mean a lot. us. And it yeah, makes us yeah, feel we, good about ourselves. We, we see these yeah. graphs, and sometimes they go up. It's very exciting. We, we love it when that happens. Um, and uh, we didn't get any new reviews this week. When we get reviews, we read them out on the show. Uh, last week, we got a review from Autistic Database on iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, which was a very kind review, but it was, was extremely only three sweet. star. But they only gave us three stars. And Noon kind of lightly roasted them uh, for <laughs> giving I, us this glowing review. I do feel review, bad about, stars. especially well, because... clearly they're a listener because uh, they updated their review to five stars, which is so kind, especially it's after that nice. light roasting. Yeah, yeah. So thank you very much, uh, I'm, Autistic I'm Database. I'm sorry if for... you felt bad about that. That was... I... It, it was meant to be a light roasting, not a merciless one, but I, it's very kind that you updated it in, in spite of yeah, my rudeness. We, so thank you. We appreciate the we appreciate the review and the rating. Thank you very much. Uh, follow us. Follow us. We've got Twitter. On... We've got Insta. We've got Facebook. We're so close to 500 followers on Twitter. That's how small of a podcast we are that we get excited about shit like this. But uh, if you don't follow us on Twitter, come and help us get Please over 500. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah, and as as Noon says, Facebook and Insta as well. Uh, and if you really like what we do, you can have, head over to Patreon and support us, as we mentioned at the top of the show, for as little as one US dollar a month gets you a monthly bonus episode plus extra stuff as well. This month, is that it for uh, the business? On the on the bonus app, we're talking about what is the difference between socialism, communism, and anarchism. So if you've ever that was been last extremely, month. I mean, the most recent bonus episode that came out. <laughs> Was about that. So if, if you've ever been confused in some online discourse, hop on over and get more confused with some audio discourse. Yeah. All right. I think that is the end of the business. All right, cool. Now it's time for a pop game. What's, uh, what's Bagel been up to? Your boy. 
bagel. I mean, this is kind of a uh, a bagel brag, like a humble brag. Except I'm not being humble. I'm just, I'm just, it's you know. Uh, but I've been going out with someone recently, which is a bit exciting. Um, oh. It's now that I've mentioned it on the show, it's official. I guess That's, uh, it's podcast official. You can yeah. never take it back. It's on yep. the fade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's great, man. Yeah, it's really lovely. Uh, but anyway, they've uh, come round to my place a couple times and like, you know come into my room and sat on my bed, for example, and Bagel has been quite uh, concerned because it's his room <laughs> and not that many people yeah. come into it. You know, like me, my housemates yeah. don't really hang out in my room that often. Uh, sometimes my friends do, but it's not really like the, the greatest ambiance in here, so it's not that common. So yeah, Bagel, it was very much like, A, who the fuck is this in my room? And B, what the fuck are you doing to noon? That looks like it might be murder. It was not murder, uh, but like, you know, making out or whatever. He was like, hey, hey. uh, Very uh." distressing. Yeah, yeah. For a Um, young dog. But he also really likes her and vice versa. So it's it's been extremely cute watching them be friends as well as him being a little concerned. So yeah, that's That's that's, lovely. it, It is lovely. I'm glad they're getting along, even if Bagel is a little wigged out. Yeah. Speaking uh, how of dogs about getting wigged Dumby? out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had to take Dante for his biannual. Oh, it's probably more often than that. Roughly quarterly. But one of his, yeah, one of his infrequent washes. Mm-hmm. Dante hates running water. He just right. fucking hates it. Like, if he you if he's nearby when you turn the tap on in the kitchen, he'll like scurry out of the room and look at you accusingly like (laughs) why would you do this i've never noticed why have you done this yeah i'd like to test it but i'd feel bad (laughs) yeah i mean like he's he just walks away and gets grump and gets sulky like Mm -hmm. classic which is his response to most a lot of things yeah 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 but anyway so like washing him at home is we just really rather not do it Mm. uh during the lockdown we had to because Mm. we had no option to take him to a place to get washed which Thanks involved dictator Dan. Yeah. Which involved uh Holly putting Dante in like a full body lock and sitting in our like tiny you know we have one of those no. tiny bathtubs yeah. like yeah. square. Yeah. And just like full body lock and me like just pouring water over oh. his head with a little jug. Poor uh, little because boy. you can't turn the like shower head on because yeah, it loses yeah. his shit and covers you in scratches and mm. it's a whole mess. Anyway, I took him to Pet Barn to get washed yesterday. Yeah. And, and like was their problem. <laughs> well, they they were booked out for like you know, I booked the the pet washing appointment like a yeah. month ago. Yeah, like it's like haircuts for humans. Like, yeah. people are backed up, and I should have anticipated this. But of course, when I got there, there was like a line down the street mm, of people of waiting dogs. for their dogs. And Dante's quite reactive to other dogs, and yeah. it was just like, and he gets very overexcited when he gets put in the car in the first place. And yep. it was just like Dante just cranked up to a hundred and ten percent. That's rough. Maximum Dante. Um, <laughs> which was like yeah extremely intense but anyway he got washed he's back home smelling clean now and he will smell clean for at least another six to eight hours before he rolls himself in and something whatever gross. he yeah. rolls himself in yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know i'm enjoying giving him full body hugs and not coming away smelling like a fucking trash can mm-hmm. um for the brief period in which that's that a thing happens, that's nice yeah. cool yeah all right. Well, I think that's going to do us for the week. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you, Zach, for you know spending this time with me as always. And a pleasure, um, Noon. Uh, 
remember, never get into a posting war in Asia. <laughs> I stole that. That's from Twitter. But... Um, Shouts to whoever came up with that one. Fuck. Christina Keneally? Crunch Crunch? I guess so. I feel slightly bad about it, how much we pile on her because yeah, she's like, yeah. a, you know, high, yeah. pri- high profile. Oh, yeah, f- fuck Chris Bowen. Uh, fuck, fuck Chris Bowen. Crunch Crunch. Chris there Bowen. you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's that's how you end a podcast. All right, we'll catch you next week. Keep a second of the free will. Bye. <laughs>